This episode of the Adventure Jogger Podcast brought to you by Ruben Poole, Ron Anderson, Scotty's Nipple Tape, O-Tram, Carla Graves, Sean McDermott, and all of our Patreon supporters and listeners. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Adventure Jogger. I thought on this episode we would do something a little bit different. My guest on this episode is, in fact, a runner. Um, I know this because I've seen him run numerous times. He's not a trail or ultra runner, but he is a runner, and he also happens to be the youngest coach in NCAA uh, Division I football. His name is Scotty Walden. He's the head coach for the Austin P. State University Governors. And I thought, what could ultra runners and trail runners learn from a college football coach? What lessons could we learn about motivation and discipline from someone who is obviously very motivated and very disciplined? You don't get to be uh, the youngest head coach in, in football by not being motivated. So I asked Scotty, I, I contacted his people and said, Scotty, would you be interested in talking uh, on this Trail and Ultra podcast? He was all in. And honestly, um, the conversation that we had, there's so much that applies to trail and ultra running and just life in general. I really think there's a lot of football talk. Don't get me wrong. And that's why I'm releasing it uh, the first week of college football season because it's a big part of Scotty's life. But I think a lot of these lessons can be applied to just about everything. So, yes, he's not a trail or ultra runner, but he is a runner and he is a college football coach. And I think a lot of lessons can be learned from Coach Scotty Walden of the Austin P State University Governor's football team. Take a listen. Coach Walden, thanks yes. for joining me on the Adventure Jogger podcast. Oh, Ryan, it's a pleasure to be on here. Thanks for asking me to be a part of it. Well, I was running one morning, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, like, who do I want to have on as a guest? You know, we're 140 episodes into this thing. That's awesome. And I'm like, who else would I, would I like to talk to? <laughs> and I remember getting to a game early and seeing you running laps yeah. around the track yeah. before a game and I'm like oh, oh shit coach Walden's a That's runner right. <laughs> no doubt <laughs> well I mean I, you, you you got through your star list and got through all the top tier <laughs> elite runners and then you had to get to poor little old me so I understand where I'm at on the total pole but no, well, no but good. I, I kind of thought it's interesting because you are the youngest head coach in NCAA Division One football mm-hmm. you're 32 years old and I think that speaks to just determination and motivation and so my idea was what can ultra endurance athletes learn yeah. from a college football coach? Yeah, yeah. I think starting out, I um, and I really appreciate you, you know, let me do this this podcast and and uh, and get on this with you because I think it's a it's an awesome topic and you know I and I'll be fully transparent with like I told you before we we did this and just to be transparent with the viewers, I'm not trying to be a uh, uh, a false false person here like i am not a uh long distance runner but i do right. run i do run for i ran this morning like i told you yeah hey, i got my 1.5 in this morning okay you know like most people would laugh at that like 1.5 is my warm-up man okay i got my 1.5 in all right you know it was not it was nothing great when i go two miles it's like whew, that was a day but like everybody's yeah I, you know read my seven my eight i mean i get it. so i'm not trying to claim i'm a distance 
fastest runner. But I do think there are a lot of uh, a lot of parallels. And you know, the thing that sticks out to me, the thing I love about running and working out in general. Number one, I think it's the healthiest thing for you. Yeah. Because I think that like, and it's funny we're doing this now because yesterday we had a practice. Mm-hmm. And I was in a bad mood. And, you know, after the practice, I'm like, God, like, why? Like, you ever just been in a funk? You know, you go yeah. to work and you're like, you know, I mean, this happens. You're like, God, I'm just in a funk. Like, I, yeah. Well, I'm a morning workout guy. And, yeah. you know, something came up, you know, just like in leadership, you know, there's decisions that have to be made and contingency plans that have to be in place when weather goes bad or whatever goes bad. Maybe I'm getting up for my morning run and, yeah. you know, the, there's lightning. Like, okay, what am I going to do now? You know, there has to be contingency plans in place. And so I come up to the facility. I obviously know it's raining, it's lightning. You know, yeah. my, my DFO's texting me, the trainer's texting me, hey, like, I don't know if we're going to be able to practice because lightning this, that, the other. So I'm trying to rework the schedule. Anyway, going through that whole deal. Yeah. And, um, that interfered with my morning workout time. So I, I skipped my morning workout in order to, you know, it, you know, priorities, right? You right. have to obviously prioritize. That was the most pressing thing at hand. So we dealt with that, but it left no time for me to work out. So my point in saying all that is I got off the field yesterday and I'm like, God, why was I just in a, in a funk today in a bad mood? And then I, I was like, Oh, you know, I, I didn't work out this morning. I didn't work out right. today. And uh, I immediately after practice went in and got a, got a quick lift in. And, you know, so my point of all the saying is I think that, that, that running and working out is so critical for your mental health, your physical because I feel better when I get up and do something really hard in the morning before anyone else gets up, before, you know, the day. I think it gives you an edge. But also on top of that, I think that um, if you're asking me what, you know, things for maybe from a college coach perspective yeah you know could um advice or you know you know any type of information to give to runners um because it's so mental running is so mental and it is and yeah the biggest thing for me is i think it has to be intrinsic motivation instead of external motivation we're gonna get into that we're gonna break oh, that yeah, down in a minute. man yeah we're gonna break all you, that down you're on the same page today oh yeah it's gonna be awesome <laughs> i will say that i have had people on this podcast that have run over 300 miles in one one swoop yeah so you know you you're just, on the, you're on one end of that well, you just you just totally killed my confidence mid <laughs> mid 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 mid, uh, mid podcast you know you could have told me that after the podcast because now i totally have no confidence what i'm saying so uh, I, I haven't earned my keep yet <laughs> but let's 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 go back to the beginning scotty walden yeah where did you grow up yeah fort worth texas okay i yep. can hear that texas in your yeah voice. it's in there it's yeah. it's in there somewhere yep so my wife and i uh i went to cleveland high school um and i met my wife my junior year of high school actually callie she's uh loving my life freaking just rock like I don't know how she stayed with me this long, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, so her and I met my junior year of high school, Cleveland, Cleveland is about 30 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. I was born in Fort Worth, grew up in Fort Worth, and then going into my junior year, my family moved down to Cleveland, just south of the Metroplex. Uh, we had some more family lived down there. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so played quarterback. I, mean, I was a big, I was a three-sport athlete, huge into athletics. It's just what found my niche was a... Um, uh, a basketball player. Basketball is my first love, you know, until I found Hang out. Hang on, yeah. no one can see this. Yeah. Scotty, you're like five. I mean, you know, my driver's license says 5'10. <laughs> you know, driver's license. <laughs> It just says five ten, right? I'm like, come on, give me a break, man. You know, and no one can see the podcast. If we could have told, can I get a six foot around here? You know, I mean, my senior year in college, I begged, like, can you list me a six foot? And uh, to no avail. But I they didn't get close. you like platform shoes. I, I should have done. Okay, that. look these should've up. Look that. these up when we're done today. Okay, uh, a big trail running shoe is called Ooh. Hoka. H O K A. No, I actually know them. Okay, and yeah. they got the big sole in it. If you would have worn uh, Hoka basketball shoes, dude. I'd have been. I maybe got it recruited. I don't know. Who knows? Exactly. I don't know. So, when did when was sports? What part in your childhood did sports become a big part? 
of your life. I would say like I always, even in elementary school, I was really interested in all sports, mm-hmm. baseball, everything. And then my sixth grade year, I my mom gave me the choice. Okay, you can play peewee football or you can play basketball. And I decided to play basketball. Um, and actually, my, my and the reason why I did that is my, my cousin, who I'm named after, he, his name was Scott Mullins. And mm-hmm. he, uh, he served in the Marines, uh, played defensive end, was a really good defensive uh, defensive lineman um, and served in the Marines for several years, served in Desert Storm and uh, unfortunately you know, passed away yeah. when he was in his late 30s. But um, I was named after him and I, I took a lot of advice from him. He was like, don't play yeah. peewee football, man, because you're going you're gonna to have to relearn everything in seventh grade anyway. So I was like, well, I'll play basketball. Fell in love with basketball and that was my first love and uh, and, and was, was, was really, really just into all sports though. And uh, so my seventh grade year, started playing football mm-hmm. and then uh, also ran track. You know, in, in Texas, that's kind of a thing like if you if you play football you run track there is no choice and so i got really into track into hurdles i ran um i ran the four by four a couple of times but my main my main uh long jump triple jump um uh, 300 meter hurdles uh, and that was by my head coach in high school was like quarterbacks you either got to run the open quarter or you got to run 300 hurdles well me and my, you know, you know, really good math skills. I said, well, three hundred is less than four hundred, <laughs> so let me let me go three hundred meter hurdles here. Not a good decision, right? Not a good decision. Well, no, all I'm thinking is, why would a coach say to his quarterback, mm. you know, generally known as one of the most important positions on the field, like, yeah. let's put you in a thing where you got to run, you got to jump over stuff, you got to yeah. run up to something and jump over it, where right. the risk of tripping and falling and uh, breaking your arm. Well, I think it was really smart by him, honestly. Phil Young's his name, and 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 you know, you were asking about my story, kind of getting into him, it kind of parlays to him, perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a father figure to me as my high school head football coach at Cleburne. He's now the head football coach at Fort Worth Arlington Heights there in Fort Worth, Texas, but played quarterback for him. And, and, you know, he was the first, like, you know, I grew up in a single parent home. So like when I was around him, you mm-hmm. know, I was like, that's, that's kind of a father figure. Yeah. And he was like the one guy that like would push me really hard on the field, but then off the field, man, he, you know, he'd love me up. He put his arm around me. He'd take me to his house and like, you know, I'd see how he interacts with his wife and his kids. Right. And like, okay. Cause I never, I never grew up you know, seeing how a male interacted with my mom, which I know sounds kind of, you know, weird, but like, I never saw that. I didn't know what that looked like. And he's the first one to kind of show that. So going back to the, on the field piece though, um, you know, when when I met him, I was like, man, like, this is the guy I want to be, you know, I want to be like this dude. That's why he's, he's the reason why I'm coaching today. Um, but in terms of that, that question you asked, I thought it was for, uh, for tough. He wanted his quarterbacks to be tough, toughest guys on the field. You know, Mm -hmm. he wanted, you know, we have to be the most mentally tough. And I think you parlay that into long distance runners. I mean, you have to be extremely mentally tough because it's between you and you, you know, when you're, when you're running long distance, well, the quarterback position, I mean, it's a lonely position. You know, I got done telling our quarterbacks the other day that the, the guess what guys, I mean, the two most criticized people in this building are you and me, (laughs) (laughs) brother, me and you, it's going to be the head coach and the quarterback all the time. And so like, you have to be able, you either got to be able to take the heat or get out of the kitchen, you know? And, and, and that was one thing that running 300 meter hurdles over the 400 made me do it made me have to warm up for the race prepare for a hard difficult race every single week and i ended up getting good at it actually and winning some events and stuff and doing some things i didn't know i could do and i was doing something hard and i ne- i always remembered the stress and the anxiety before the race and then when i crossed the finish line just the feeling of satisfaction and perseverance and determination so i think it was a genius like plan for him to put that choice on his on his quarterbacks 
That's impressive. You do 300 meter hurdles. Hmm? The 400, by the way, let's just be honest. That's the toughest event it's in track man. and field. It's a man's race. Because it's, oh. it's a sprint. It's a sprint. There is no, I'm going to save a little oh, bit for no. here. Mm-mm. It is balls to the wall. And that's an aviation term, by the way, folks. Uh, <laughs> we're not getting racy. Uh, it's balls to the wall. I mean, that's the whole time. That's that's one of the toughest races yeah. in, mm-hmm. in, in all of track and field. Yep. So at some point, though, someone tells you, Hey, five foot ten, yeah, Scotty, yeah. Basketball's not for you. Oh man, got a great story for that one. Well, yeah. let's hear it. Yeah, so uh, my man, <laughs> Coach Eric Ezar, who uh, was my quarterbacks coach my freshman year, and I'm going, I'm going, I'm going in to be a freshman. I'm in eighth grade, going in to be a freshman. He knows I'm coming up, and uh, I'm at. Uh, he invited so the head football coach at that time uh, invited uh, three of us from the freshman team to come practice with the varsity, and I was one of those guys. I was fortunate enough. Yeah. Um, so I come up, um, and I'm doing this deal. And I'm practicing. I'm playing quarterback all this stuff and um, he knows I'm a big time basketball player in terms of like you know that's my love that's yeah. my passion yeah. and I ended up playing on varsity my sophomore years and starting as a, as a sophomore on the varsity basketball team and like it was a again I was good at it but I was just short right. and, and yeah. uh, so he he pulled me aside one day I'll never forget this um, I had a really good day of practice at quarterback and he's like hey man you know something like you ever you know Oscar Robertson is mm-hmm. yeah. and I was like yeah I've heard his name like remind. Well, he's an NBA Hall of Famer, Scotty. Okay, all right. You know what his nickname is? I was like, what's his nickname? Tiny. And I was like, oh, tiny. Oh, it must have been ah, cool. I was, I was like, fired up. I was like, five eight five nine guy like myself. We're doing this thing. We're spud webbing this thing. Let's go. And he goes, uh, you know how tall? You know how tall Oscar was? I said, no. He's six foot three. I was like, oh. He said, you know, you could be a five nine receiver. You know, DB five ten and get recruited. It's like, but brother. You're going against the odds being a five nine, you know, guy playing basketball, you know, like getting a scholarship. He was just trying to make the point. Right, football's got more opportunities, and, right. and it really woke me up. Like, oh crap! Like he's right. And then I, when I got to high school, it kind of flipped. I really fell in love with because I was playing select basketball from sixth grade all the way into my junior and I, I i stopped playing the select side my junior i played high school basketball my whole uh career i yeah. just i loved it so much um but but just i got burned out on it i played it year round so when i got to high school i started really really falling in love with football and i remember that conversation though that was kind of like a you know kind of kind of like a he's know, six uh-huh. foot three his nickname's tiny tiny what are they gonna call you yeah 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 i don't even want to say it little teeny walden teeny walden what they call you. <laughs> mini walden so 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 scotty you, you you excel your side football's a thing for you yep um the quarterback position you excel at you get college offers to go play college football as a quarterback mm-hmm. that must have been pretty damn cool for a kid from texas because we all know yeah. texas is is sure. the football mecca yeah of the united states yeah and i'm sure that must have felt pretty damn cool to have colleges yeah. You know, sending you things in the mail. It was cool. It, it was it was a neat deal, and and uh, you know, I wasn't the the most highly recruited guy, you know, uh, in 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 the state. I mean, uh, but just having any college, like you know, Division three and AIA, you know, Division two, any of those schools. I mean, I went I went on to visit to North Texas one time, and I mean, it was a cool. I was just I was in heaven, man. This is amazing. This is the coolest thing ever. Uh, ended up getting a scholarship uh, to a school in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, called Dort College. In the middle of nowhere, Dort so, College. Dort College. Yeah, when I told my family and my friends and stuff, they're, they, of course they're like, "Dork? No, Dort <laughs> College. D O R D T." Uh, they were uh, starting a program at Sioux Center, Iowa, just outside Omaha, Nebraska, mm-hmm. in Sioux City. A guy named John Hevener, who's still a real close friend of mine, um, 
uh, you know, offered me a scholarship, and you know, I joke with him all the time, man. Uh, I'm like, man, you you could you could sell you know red ice cream to a woman in a white dress, man. I mean, like you, like <laughs> brother, he talked me in, he talked me into it, man. And I got up there, and uh, and don't, I, I started as a true freshman. I was young and naive, man. I my wife, my girlfriend at the time is now my wife, is still in Texas. I was 14 hours away from home. Right. I started all 11 games as a freshman. He invested in me, and I feel as a coach now. I look back, I'm like, God, I just that was, I handled that so wrong. I could have stayed there and man set every record and and had a great career but right. I, I wanted to get back to texas so i i ended up transferring um back down uh to texas mm-hmm. um to harden simmons uh which is in abilene texas which actually chris jones our defensive line coach actually was a coach on the staff there yeah so and now i'm getting to work with him he was uh, you're a, his boss uh, yeah well no i don't like the term boss leader <laughs> leader but he's he's my guy he's my guy uh but it is a unique di- uh, dynamic with that but he was such a influential guy when i was in college mm-hmm. i was like man if i ever get a chance to hire this guy like up and and just yeah. got, got ordained that to for that to happen it was pretty yeah. cool um so i met harden simmons in abilene texas um it, go there and and you know don't don't really get an opportunity to play they're a really talented program had a really good quarterback that was set there so i was like man i want to play my senior year and so i transferred one more time to sol ross state university yeah. at 90 miles from the mexican border in alpine texas uh which is one of the coolest it's in the middle of nowhere like literally the closest walmart is two hours away like no lie like we what? <laughs> we would send in waves ryan we would send we say all right receivers this week you're driving up to walmart to go get groceries for everybody and go and to get us taco bell or something like that because we in the town you had a subway and a dairy queen that was built in the 1930s probably and a gas station that had great fried chicken that's that's what you had no stop wow. no stoplight zero stoplight wow. i mean it's a mountain town beautiful mountains i yeah. mean the weather's amazing i look, look personally i love it the elevation is about seven eight thousand. Oh yeah oh my gosh the training like the conditioning level you mm-hmm. get in unbelievable yeah um love love living there now you know my, my about that time uh i got a coaching job there right when i got done i uh proposed to my wife pretty soon around that and she was like there's just one place i can't i can't move out there with you and i'm like <laughs> I'm like, well, this kind of this kind of puts a damper because there's really nothing out there, man. Um, but I was one of those places you walk out of the library, you walk out of class. I mean, there's there's mule deer on the campus. There's javelina wow. running around this place. It's an amazing. Google it, man. Alpine, Texas, Sol Ross State University. Now, look, I personally love it because I found myself out there. I, I rededicated my life to Christ uh, in 2009 at Harden Simmons, and then I was baptized in the swimming pool at Sol Ross State University. I did it again with our team chaplain, yeah, uh, brother Dan. God, yeah. God rest his soul. He actually just passed away a couple months ago he, yeah. mar- he married my wife and i unbelievable human being but anyway um i played quarterback there uh my senior year and then i told the coach my transfer there i want to you know i want i, I want to coach and so when i got done playing i ended up you know becoming a coach and 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 again it's funny like Sol ross is a place you know i wouldn't call a destination place for a lot of people like a lot of guys on my team at Harden simmons didn't understand you know because we were in the same conference right and they just whooped up on them all the time why do you want to go there and it's funny how god calls you certain places something just felt right i wanted an opportunity mm-hmm. I, I wanted to i didn't want to just stand on the sidelines i wanted to go do something yeah and so i got to play but also i knew i was going to get the coach i didn't know it was going to be what it was but it turned out to be something special i in the spring after my senior year i became the quarterback's coach mm-hmm. our offensive coordinator ended up kind of quitting midway through spring ball and so i took over the play calling in the spring and then june 1st i'll never forget of 2000 wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You're, you're 22 two years old at this point my first i, I just finished i just graduated in december yeah I'm working on masters and so you're thinking ah, i'm the quarterback coach hey guys let's let's go throw some <laughs> balls around and all of a sudden the, the offensive coordinator's like i've had enough yes. i'm tired of driving two hours to walmart that's right <laughs> 
That's you know? right. No, I'm gonna no. I'm gonna go ahead. You get Walden, here's the playbook. You call plays. And I'm and I'm just standing there with a script like You don't even have hair in your under your armpits no, at this not, point. Not that no, not at all. Not at all. No, I was shaving my you know, facial hair one time a month, man. I was you know what I'm saying? It was I was still grow, I was still growing into 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 life, man. I'm just a newbie, man. And and I get thrown in this fire, but I'll never forget June first of twenty twelve. That's when our head coach called me and was like, Hey man, I, I want this offense to be yours. I want you to be the OC roll with it and go do what you do do what you need to do and and Wayne Schrader's his name and I, I give Wayne a ton of credit because he I mean Wayne is a veteran coach veteran head coach mm-hmm. and he entrusted his whole offense did not I was very fortunate in my first two years of my career not first two years my first uh, about five years my first two jobs yeah to have two head coaches that literally just let me roll which is very like now that I have been around some other programs and see how yeah. things are done is not the norm. So I was very fortunate God put me in the right place, right time. And like Wayne Schrader was like, look, it's yours. Just go, go be you. And I'm like, man. So June 1st, I, I take that. And that was my first coaching job, but I was actually a GA Ryan. It's kind of unique. We had two full-time coaches, the head coach yeah. of the DC, I was a GA. I was coaching and teaching golf class, which I, I know nothing about golf. Yeah, it's my, my zero. Uh, I actually got the funny side story. I actually got the cops called on me uh, one time because my class was so bad. They were hitting houses and the cops show up and they're like, where's the golf coach? And and they thought I was the golf coach. And, 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 and I, the, the neighborhood was calling the, the cops because we were hitting so many balls in their houses. I'm like, and they were like, do you even know how to tell them how to swing and stuff? I was like, yes, I, of course. They just, they're not very good, you know, and I played it off. Like, oh man, it was bad. It was so bad. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to call plays and coach ball. Okay, let's go back for a minute. Yeah, let's do it. Why did you decide you wanted to be to be a head coach? You know, here you are, your kid growing up in Texas. Yeah. Your mom is is the only influence in your life. And, sure. you, and you talk about how in high school you get this great coach. And I, I think great coaches can change can change people's lives. Hundred percent. For sure. Yeah. Was it that moment where you were like, you know what? I I need to be what this guy is to me, to other people is that kind of how it all went down yeah i think two things i think per- my personality type and um and then when i when i met phil young just seeing how he ran the program as a whole you know he would let me come up on sundays which were coaches only like game planning days yeah and let me like sit up there and go through the game plan with them which right. was I feel like I was, you know, like on a behind the scenes of a movie or something, you know, yeah. like I was behind the scenes and seeing how they develop plays. And then I saw him like, I saw the other side of him on the, the defensive side too. Like he would, you know, he had his offensive stuff, but then he'd go with the defense and kind of talk about what, how they were going to defend the opposing offense and things like that. And I just fell in love with the whole program approach. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I, like I have a passion for like, you know, seeing coaches take over programs and build them up and like build them into something, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, like, like really put their stamp on it type thing. And that's why I've always looked at, you know, guys that have taken jobs that, um, maybe not many people wanted and, and they, and they take that job and then they, t- they turn it into what they want mm-hmm. and they make it something that is special and, and just program building and player development yeah. is a big passion of mine. And, and, and I, I love that player development in the sense of, on the field and off the field yeah because that's what was done for me you know i got better as a player by being coached hard but i got better as a person by being around great great coaches and great people then the second part is probably my personality i'm i'm a i'm I'm, you know i my wife would say you know my you know i'm micromanager in a sense an alpha (laughs) you know like i just i gotta you know so like i think like that like okay like yeah, calling plays is great, but yeah. like I want to run the program. Like I want to run. I want to know what we're doing in the string conditioning room. I want to know what we're doing in the equipment yeah. room. I want to like the whole pro, just the whole program approach, is 
developing a yearly calendar is really exciting for me like how you know like we have five phases in our program right now like yeah we yeah. Like phase one is winter conditioning we're going to be we're going to have specific objectives there phase right. two is boot camp phase three spring ball phase four is summer conditioning phase five is the season and there's different things we do in those aspects and different objectives we face i just love the whole program approach and so i, I think that's what really got me enticed with being a head football coach you're 32 years old Yep. Um, you're the, like I said earlier, you're the youngest head football coach in NCAA Division One football. Yep. Was that ever a goal for you, or was it just kind of let's see how the opportunities present themselves? Or were you at right. one point going like, "Listen, I may be young, but I got something." <laughs> <laughs> I had, I definitely had that thought, uh, but I never. That was never the goal. I mean, because mm. I didn't know. What, I mean, heck, man. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I remember. The first game I, we co- that I coached in at Sol Ross State. Um, again, I was the OC quarterback coach, 2012. You're the golf teacher at I'm this point, I'm a golf teacher. Too. I'm grading golf t- the quizzes <laughs> at night, and, and I'm calling plays during the day. You know, just making sure we don't hit cars. That's all I care about. Show up to class, don't hit a car. You're getting an A, so calm down, all right? Um, so uh, I remember walking into that game. And I remember on the headset, like I'm walking on the sideline before they kick the ball off. And I, I remember on the headset saying this to our offensive staff. I just remember going, boys, I, I, ho- I hope this stuff works. <laughs> like, cause I don't know. I mean, I honest, I mean, how do I know? I've never, I've never, yeah, I think I've never coached a game in right. my life, right. let alone called a game in my life. Yeah. So I just, you know, we had a system and we believed in it and we rolled with it. And, and I, and I think that we, that's what we talk about here at Austin P is is we call it, you know, a lot of people call it the process, we call it the chase. You right. know, to me, the chase is the process. Right. You know, the chase for greatness, the chase for development, the chase for being better than you were the day before. And that's all I think I got lost in that. So I was not focused on the external, you know, and it was kind of like a little bit ignorance is bliss. I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. So like I didn't know that, you know, I was supposed to teach this route this way or this concept this way. Yeah. And but but the deal is what it taught me that that year was if we all believe in what we're teaching and we all believe in in what we're doing, it doesn't matter, you know, if maybe a program, okay, like, you know, well, most programs teach post routes to be run this way or oh, I'm in a block yeah. inside zone this way. Well, how do we do it? And that, I'll never forget that. That's probably the biggest thing I took from that year was like, if we're all, if we're all in, we're right. We can do it. It doesn't matter. You know, talking about not not knowing what you what you knew and kind of how you would do things. Yeah. I think it, it applies to running from the aspect of, you know, you look at running as everyone is an experiment of one. Yeah. And you look at all the great things that other people might do and you try a little bit of this and you try a little bit of that and you try a little bit of this and you kind of can develop your own yep. system by standing on the shoulders of giants and jumping from shoulder to shoulder when the giant doesn't work for you. Absolutely. I think that's a great uh, parallel there mm-hmm. because – to, to your point, when I got the job June 1st in, in 2012, the first thing I did, and I don't know why I'm wired, I, I don't know why I'm wired like this, but like the, the man, if I can get to a library, man, yeah. like I always, I, like in, in college and stuff, man, that was like my thinking zone, man. I, cause it's quiet, it's, people are working. Like, so like I just, man, I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. This cute, I just got the OC job here. I don't know what, so yeah. I, man, I go to the library and I, I rent out one of those rooms with a whiteboard and I just drew up play zero to 99. And I was like, all right, we're going to start right here. Now, keep in mind, like through the years when I, after I met coach young, I was yeah. like, man, I want to coach. So like, I would always start drawing, like I'm in class drawing up plays. I mean, I'm in, yeah. you know, I'm in history class, dudes talking, I'm drawing up plays. I'm writing down, okay, that we call this, you know, 42, or <laughs> yeah. 23 zone, yeah. 22 zone, right. you know, whatever. And, um, so I kind of had like a thought of like mm-hmm. where those would go. I was like, man, I really got to organize this and fast. So to your point though, 
you know, I grew up watching Mike Leach at Texas Tech in the air raid. And so I really was enamored with the way they practiced, the way they ran concepts. And then, you know, I also grew up on the other side watching, you know, it's again, funny enough, Rich Rodriguez, who's the head coach of Jacksonville State, who will play right here right. Um, in our conference. <clears throat> I grew up watching him when he was the head coach at West Virginia. Mm. And he was, you know, really instrumental in running zone read and, you know, and, and those types of run game elements. And I always said, man, like, for years before I got that OC job, I was like, man, if we could blend those worlds, because I, I believe you have to be able to run the football to win championships. And that, that works into running too, folks. For those of you saying, right. is this a running podcast? We're talking a lot of football. He just I mentioned, know. you got to run. You got to run to win. You got to run to win. <laughs> that's, that's RTW, baby. That might be the new slogan of your podcast. RTW, run to win. That's it. That's it, man. So I was like, man, we got to blend these worlds. And so kind of jumping on the backs of Giants, like you're talking about, which one works for you? There was elements of the air raid I took. And there was elements of the running game that I took. Uh, looking at Rich Rodriguez, studying them that fit us. And, and then it's kind of morphed into who we are today that all started at that foundation of past concepts and practice and how to integrate the running game into that and so therefore you know i think that's the same deal with like you're talking about runners like taking a piece of training here a piece of you know what it's a new shoe hoka shoes whatever it is man like you know i think i think you have to do that and learn and learn what fits your niche Mm -hmm. you know so let's go to the moment you get that call. You know, you've been an assistant coach at this point. You've been a yeah. coordinator. Um, you were the interim head coach for Mississippi State. Yeah. Southern Miss. Southern Miss, I'm sorry. Yeah, is, that, is that insulting, yeah. Miss, Southern no, Miss? No, not at all. Are Southern Miss fans going to... Gonna... You could get some hate mail. Yeah, you, <laughs> could get, you might get a couple tweets. Yeah. Uh, but, but so, and then you get the call. You get the call to be the next head coach of Austin Peay State University in yeah. Clarksville, Tennessee. Yeah. What was it like being asked are you interested in this head coaching gig oh man and here you are at 30 years old you know yeah. the the yeah. whole not much life behind you at that point yeah, yeah. what did it feel getting that call and being wanted to take over an entire program uh, i'll be honest with you and still to this day man like ryan honest like when i walk around the building and stuff like that i mean it's it's not like and i'm not saying this like being dramatic or emotional right. like it's yeah. almost like a dream every day i mean i'm dead serious yeah yeah it is a dream like that has always been the goal. And I had interviewed when I was at, uh, and I'd been a head coach when I was, so you kind of part of left out at the age of 26. Um, I became the head coach at East Texas Baptist where I was the OC for three years. Right. Became the head coach at 26. And so I'd had that head coaching experience It just, and it was awesome. Right. Only one year. Then I got the job at Southern Miss and, and we, were, we were rolling. But like that one year was so much fun and I, I had a blast. But I also, I took, I took over what we had kind of already established, but I hadn't, I hadn't been the new guy going in and establishing what we're going to be about. If, right. And, and, and not that I didn't run it my way, but it was more of like, okay, here's the reins, take it over. Boom. You're good. And I was like, man, you know, we kind of, for three years have built this thing the way we wanted already, mm. which is great, but I kind of wanted that challenge. And so anyway, I'd always like, after I got that job at Southern Miss and I learned how to be an assistant coach, I learned mm. way more about football than I'd ever learned. I was like, you know, about two years later, 2019, I was like, man, I'm ready. Like I'm itching to go take over a program. Yeah. And I interviewed for a job in Texas, uh, you know, finished second for a head coaching job down in Texas. And I remember just feeling like, God, like, like I was so close to having that dream, man. Yeah. And, and, and when I got told no, I was like, golly, cause it, but, you know, behind every yes is a thousand no's. And so like, you know, people see the one I got, yeah. people don't know the ones I didn't get. Right. Right. And, and, and I was just, the feeling of almost having your program in your hands and being able mm-hmm. to recruit and have the plan laid out offense, defense, and, and special teams wise was so exciting. 
and have that have that not happen i was like man well something will come up and and uh, obviously it did during COVID. i became the interim head coach of southern miss um which you know i was in the mix for that job and then the austin p job comes up and i gotta be honest with you like uh, and again, nothing against Southern Miss at all. I, it's, it, Hattiesburg seriously was an amazing I've already place. pissed them off by calling them That's Mississippi fine. State. That's fine. I'm so. going gonna, gonna to bring them back. <laughs> yeah. So we're just going to let it roll here. We're going to let it roll. <laughs> no, but they, it really is a phenomenal place, phenomenal people. Yeah. But like the, the when Gerald Harrison, our AD, called me, the excitement about this job was totally different because I felt like, man, like this is, this is my thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, I get to go and hire my staff hire you know recruit the players i want to recruit run the systems we want to run and i was just so excited about that like that was i just like i told you i love building and 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 running programs like that is that is such a like passion of mine Mm -hmm. um and so when i got this call man it's like a dream come true and and this place really is first class in every sense of the word and like it has been an amazing experience and and i'm excited for the future all right let's talk about the transition now. Why? Why? I yeah. thought Scotty Walden would be a great guest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There are things that you have to deal with every single day that I think yeah. long-distance endurance runners could could learn from. One sure. of those is is motivation. You personally, how does how does Scotty Walden stay motivated each day with this monumental task that you have ahead of you? Yeah, and I think. Putting together a football program and putting together a plan for a season would be very similar to the amount of training and plan necessary to get ready for a 100-mile ultramarathon. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I, I think it kind of alludes to what we talked about earlier. So, two, two, I'll kind of combat it from two ways of, like, tangible things I do and then also just from the mindset standpoint. And the first thing I think kind of like we talked about is, mm-hmm. like, the ex, the internal motivation has to outweigh the external motivation you know i think it always starts with why why are you wanting to run that 5k that one you know that triathlon whatever it is right like why are you wanting to do those things why are you wanting to be the head coach of a program why are you wanting to do the profession that you do yeah what's your why because if your why is driven by external factors and i think you list those things out and you say okay this is intrinsic this is external you know like if, if if it's all external and it's for okay i'm doing this because my friends got me in it or they're pushing me to do it or to put it on social media or that i think we're i think we're barking up the wrong tree you know yeah. but if it's internal like man i it's more of a, i get to do this mm-hmm. instead of i have to do this today yeah and it, and it me and i know how it is i mean i'm sure if, I, I know for runners i mean you know like there's days you get up and you're like man i, I don't want to run today you know it's like did, there's some days that wake up i don't want to work out today right but you do it anyway you right. know you you just continue to go because you're internally intrinsically motivated you have that passion about something i think that's the mark that some people miss is they haven't found what they're passionate about yet you have yeah. to find number one what you're passionate about because then you're gonna invest everything it's like i tell people all the time i tell our players all the time you know i was a division three football player and i, I have over well over forty thousand dollars in student loan debt you know what i'd have a hundred i don't care like i would pay to play this game you, it doesn't matter to me like that, yeah. that that's not even like a thought of like well that, uh, the the fiscal that you know responsibility right. there is going to be too high i don't care like i would do anything to play this game so i think you have to start with your why why are you doing it are you passionate about it? Do you love it? Or is it for 
other reasons, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, yeah. I, and I think that's more prevalent now today than ever because it's everything you could you could go, um, you know, on a two mile run um, and, and film yourself. You know, at the end, like giving them, I see that all the time, motivational speeches at the end of their run or, you know, whatever. And that's cool. Like, there's nothing no, nothing against that. Like, da- like, look, David Goggins, my man, like, I don't know if you know David Goggins. Like, that dude runs and he's like giving some he real won't. life stuff. Cool. David, David Goggins won't come on this podcast. He does have an agent. Oh, man. Um, a friend of mine knows him from Delta Selection. Wow. Um, so, wow. but yeah, but Goggins is a definite figure. Well, look, man, figure I, in- Goggins, I'm, I'm, I'm making a pitch to Goggins to come on the show because he is awesome. <laughs> We would love to have him come on your come on your yeah, podcast. But you like, heard it here, man, no doubt. But he like you know things like that. That's awesome. But like if you're doing it for, and I'm not saying he's doing it for these reasons. I'm saying if you're just running to put it on Instagram or something, you know, right? That's different. You know, what is it going to do for you? What is is it going to change your life? Is it right. you know what what is the why? Exactly. What is the why? And then and then I I just think that you know the the tangible things every day is staying consistent that's the Mm. that's the that's the biggest staying consistent with your routine you know yeah um you know every every single you know day i'm going to write a to-do list every single day i'm going to um even if it's not the most you know in my mind the night before i'm always like oh yeah i'm going to do this workout i'm going to do that and you know i may end up doing half of that you know even if i do something you know i want to stay on task with my schedule you Mm. know and and i think that's very important And, and then you know prior planning will always prevent poor performance so like planning out your week plan out your schedule and staying committed through that you know motivating factors i, I wake up i have a daily quote i read every morning i have a, a daily scripture i read every morning um and then um there's always i've always got a book going you know uh, you know like right now it's win the day by mark batterson i've also um you know been reading these uh, uh, uh I, I can't remember the exact title but um it's a uh, you know it's a daily kind of stoic um uh lesson like daily, yeah. it's not okay. a daily devotion but it's yeah. a daily stoic kind of like yeah. a message of life yeah. it's really yeah. um it's called the daily stoic actually yeah. that's what it is it's uh, marcus aurelius oh yeah there. marcus aurelius yeah, yeah. yeah. socrates yeah. yeah it's it's some seneca all that good seneca stuff. yes yeah. It's, yeah. it's some good it's some good motivating stuff um so just think like feeding my mind with you know we talk about all the time i think as athletes feeding our body mm-hmm. you know and one thing we talk in our program a lot with our players because you know like distance runners our players have to prepare for practice prepare for you know a, a game right you know? and and while the training methodology might be different because a long distance runner is you know over the course of time you know exerting you know an amount of energy our players are exerting in a vast amount of energy then stop vast right. amount of energy stop. the training methodology but the mindset is still the same you know like we are still having to train the mind just as much as we're training the body. Mm-hmm. If we just train the body, well, the mind has to follow. The mind has to set the tone. And so therefore, like if you feed you, we talk about feeding our body all the time, we have to feed our mind positive. You know, we have to look at things positive and, and negative things are on our phone, negative things are out in the, in, in, in the world all the time for us to look at the news. I mean, you look at your news right now, you're gonna see a lot of negative things in this world. And I think you have to, you know, throw positive positivity whether it's a positive video positive quote scripture you know relying on the bible relying mm-hmm. on god's teaching and you know getting those things fed in your mind and in your heart and i, th- I think you know you are what you habitually do right you are right. what you feed yourself you have to feed your mind so you start every day 
with that positive. Hmm? You're going to do that workout. You're going to do those positive things. Yes. And you're talking earlier about the crappy day you had because you couldn't make all those things oh, happen. I'm telling you, it's the truth. You know, it's so weird in a social media world, Scotty. And I, I feel like so much of social media is negative. There's a lot of great positive things on sure. there. I mean, David Goggins screaming at you oh. is a positive. Yeah, it's a positive. You know? Because oh, yeah. I can just imagine, you know, season's over. Walden's sitting on his couch. You know, Scotty's like, oh, man, that was a long season. Good heavens. And, you know, scrolling. I'm not going to work out today. And then you scroll and there's Goggins going, <laughs> making you get off the couch, you know, because he'll just yell at you, you know? 100%. But there is so much negativity to it. Yep. How do you avoid that negativity, especially yeah. in the position that you are in? Yes. Where everybody's got an opinion about how you should do your job better. Absolutely. And, that, and, and that's a phenomenal question because it is. It can so I love social media. Obviously, in the profession I'm in, in the in the recruiting aspect, because we can, it's free marketing, right? Yeah. Like we we are marketing the brand of Austin P football. What mm-hmm. is it like to be an Austin P State University yeah. football player? We're showing you that day. We can bring that to athletes' homes instead of them having to come on campus. You know, we that's part of the process. We got to get them to campus, but we can entice them and bring so much to them now, virtual tours. I mean, you name it, right? So you have to utilize it, but it is a give and take thing because you can get your mind filled with so much negativity from the outside world. And a couple of things I've always, number one, tan, a tangible thing that I do. And when I tell this, people always look at me like, no, you don't. But I mean, it's the truth. Like I don't have, I don't have social media on my phone. Like I, I don't, I refuse to have it on my phone mm-hmm. because I'm more apt to look at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then, yeah. and then on, on my iPad and, and, um, uh, and, and on, uh, you know, my, my other phone, I have the notifications turned off to where mm-hmm. I can't you know what I mean like I, yeah. I'll, I'll check it when it comes to my mind or I need to right. check it as opposed to um, having it available all the time I think the availability of it is what makes it so toxic mm-hmm. or so um, addicting you right. know you could just pick your phone up and do it right and and what I've tried to do is substitute that with okay maybe read whether a Bible verse read um, you know maybe, maybe maybe look up a, a news article on psychology Mm-hmm. on you know like i you know i'm I, my, my wife and i we have our son luca who's two years old yeah. and sometimes like i'll look up a news article and it'll pop up with like hey these 20 uh, you know successful kids their parents did this you know for yeah. them like and it's listened i like and you read an article on that about you know how babies and toddlers brains develop or something like just substituting your time with something more intentional than scrolling through social media we'll pause that for a minute for yeah. just a quick story about yeah. scotty walden's parenting <laughs> oh god um, oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh man I'll put me out there uh, so like we, were, we were hanging out last week just just briefly yeah and and there was an event here uh, at fort Terra stadium and your son luca two years old lost his balloon oh brother it was a big deal. Two-year-old's got a balloon. The world's he, about to end, man. The balloon goes up into the oh, air. Oh, brother. And yep. you can just see it. He's like, oh, my God, there no. goes the balloon. <laughs> and so all of the moms, all the mom-aged women around are like, they do not want this kid crying over a balloon. No doubt. And so someone goes and grabs Luca a blue balloon. Yeah, you know. And they bring the blue balloon yep. to Luca, and he he does this, this wave off like, no. <laughs> Like, he does not, and nobody figured, like, why does this kid not want the balloon? He was just crying over the balloon going away. Right. So everyone kind of, <laughs> they put the blue balloon away, and your son makes a beeline yep. for a red balloon. That's right. 
He because better. your team colors are red and black. He, he knows it, brother. And your arch rivals color blue. are blue. We ain't playing that. That two-year-old knew we don't have blue in this house. We're not blue in this household, <laughs> son. That's it. If he'd accepted that blue balloon, he knew he, he was, you know, there was going to be some discipline, you know, when we got home. He, uh, he, he's, he's, he's wired the right way. We got him trained up the right way. And I will say this to um, Austin P. if you're not familiar, folks, because we got listeners from all over the world. Yeah. Uh, the chant, the greatest chant chant oh, in best. college football that's it it's let's go pee let's go pee that's what people cheer at, at games with basketball it. football or whatever yes that had to have been really hard for you especially when you moved here potty training a two-year-old <laughs> <laughs> who also you're trying to raise them up in the right football world yes it's got to be hard when you when you're the responsible for the team that has fans yelling let's go pee yeah that's gotta be, make potty training just a little more difficult it makes things difficult at games for my wife because she's making a, <laughs> she's making a lot of constant trips because when the fans get into it and it's a lot of let's go pee chance luca tends to you know need a diaper change you know so we can you know that's the that's the hard part for her so pray for that. my wife yeah, it's, yeah you no had no doubt. idea when you accepted this job you're like oh, man, man i had no idea the potty training is going to be so it's hard so hard man <laughs> he thinks it's so cool now because we got shirts that say let's go pee so he thinks everybody's into it you know, so it's like, <laughs> he's like, he's everybody's like a, potty I trained. Mean, everybody's potty trained, so I got to be potty trained. So it's actually helped in a lot of ways too. You know, so you know, thank Austin P for that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the chase for a minute. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, go back to the chase because I think there's some really interesting stuff yeah. in there, and could definitely be applied uh, to the daily day to day work of a long distance runner. Hundred uh, percent. It is. I think it's athlete based. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's anything based. To, you know, to go off of where you're CEO of a company or anything but it's all about we get so tied up in the end result and we have a saying here we say all the time um you know process over result Mm -hmm. and that's what the chase is about you know if you're just chasing the result the result the result well you're going to miss the details and all the work in between and 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 your focus is not where it needs to be day to day that's one of the hardest things to do in a world that's you know we're incredibly distracted it's all about being and it's not and it sounds facetious it sounds you know, just cliche, but it is the God honest truth. When you get lost in the chase and you just focus on being 1% better than you were the day before, mm-hmm. and you just focus on being 1-0 that day, 1% better than I was last week running, you know, I might've ran, you know, five miles last week and now I'm going to run 5.5, mm-hmm. you know, like poor me, you know, I'm going to run one by God. If I, next time I can run 1.5, that's a dub for me. You know what I mean? Right. Like, exactly. That's awesome. like just being better than you were before. And then I think that stacks wins and when you stack small victories it leads to big victories and then also i think there's something called habit stacking that yeah. really matters you know when you stack there's those days you want to wake up and not do the workout you, there's days you want to wake up and not uh go prepare that practice or go prepare um you know that 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 staff agenda for that meeting right you know when you don't do those things, you break that habit stacking, but the more you do it though, it's like just, I view it just like putting, you know, pennies in the piggy bank. You know what I mean? You're just investing every day, just putting a little, a little change in a little every change. Every mile's in. a penny. Every mile's a penny, man. And, yeah. And, and then all of a sudden you, 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 know, you cash out, you know what I mean? And, mm. and what's going to happen is you're going to get that cash out may happen. I don't know. It took me, you know, I was a division three small college coach for five years. Right. Well, I just small deposits every day, small deposits every day, small deposits every day. And I had numerous opportunities to try to skip levels, skip steps and, Mm -hmm. and, and go, you know, go do something that, you know, 
quite frankly, I wasn't prepared for, you know, and skip steps. And then all of a sudden I may be taking that, that big step, but I'd be taking steps back ultimately. And so like, I think it's all about stacking those habits that are going to define you ultimately because we're going to be defined by our habits daily. Right. Uh, I think that like, if, if, if you develop those habits in a positive way and you, and you stack those things daily to, to, to build positive habits and they're going to result in positive outcomes ultimately and the big one's going to come. You know, it's, we tell our players all the time, you know, take what the defense gives you or, hey, every day just focus on being 1% better and then eventually, you know, it's going to come to fruition where you excel. And, right. and, and I think that's the, I, I think that's why I love the game of football. I love running. I love athletics in general yeah. because it's such a, parallel and a microcosm of life i mean it's so there's you could literally just i mean teach life from sports you know i really i really believe that like there's so many things you learn in that so like um every single day the the chase is on the process of being great is on and if you follow that daily and you don't derive from that ultimately you're going to be highly successful it may take time that's the hard part is the waiting that's the hard part you don't see the fruits of your labor well and you don't see you don't see the chase you don't see anyone else's chase you see the end result that's exactly right social media is all finish line photos it's finish line photos it's uh photos of you getting gatorade dumped on you no doubt you know that's right nobody knows the, the 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 work and preparation we're putting in right now as we speak, you know, and we, we, we use this all the time in our program with our players is, you know, when we practice out here and stuff, there's no one in these stands, you know. And so we always say, man, you know, you know, we got to we got to, um, you know, make sure that we're working in the dark to shine in the light, you mm-hmm. know, and that's what and that's what it is. You know, the, the, the bright lights don't they're not going to reveal um you know, all of a sudden, some, some something you haven't been doing. The bright lights are going to reveal what you've been doing in the dark. Yeah, you know that's what's going to happen. You know, that's the truth. Like, like it's it's the the, the rubber's going to meet the road at some point. So when your time comes to have that interview, have that com- hard conversation, to run that race, to play that game, whatever it is, well, I mean, you, you what what you, the habits you've been stacking, as we talked about, what you've been doing when no one's watching the integrity, the character you've had, right? That is going to define your success. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Leads me to this question. You can say I already answered this one if you just paid attention, you mm-hmm. numbskull. That's perfectly okay. <laughs> you know, no. to a lot of people, there are monumental tasks that they want to do. Maybe they want to do that first 50K. Yeah. Um, I won't make you do the math. That's 31 miles and change. Oh, yeah. um, We're or, far, I'm far away from that. Right. Just to, <laughs> very, very far away from that. I will not be partaking anytime soon. Or, uh, or the first marathon or even half marathon or 50 miler or 100 miler or, you know, maybe even beyond there's 200, there's 200 mile races. That's unbelievable, man. It's That's crazy. Unreal. You have a monumental task ahead of yourself as a coach in this season. Austin P is, is a smaller Division one school, mm-hmm. you are going to Alabama. Yeah. You are you have to play arguably the best college football program yeah. period of the last decade. Yeah, how do you prepare for a monumental task? Alabama is not Murray State. Alabama is yeah. Alabama, yeah. and yeah. your job is to get people to get players ready yeah. and to get yourself ready for something that like for some people maybe they tell us about they want to run 100 miles like that's impossible right most people would say scotty it's impossible for austin p to even compete sure against alabama how yeah. how do you prepare for something like that well everybody always says it's impossible till it's done though right you know until someone does it yeah someone's gonna do it 
I mean, somebody, somebody's going to run that race or win that game. So why not you? Mm -hmm. Right. And like how the other things you just said, like, as you're saying it, I'm getting fired up. Like I'm getting excited. Like what, yeah. like how cool is that? We get that we, we don't have to go play Alabama. We get to go play the university of Alabama, the greatest team in college football right now. With with probably the greatest Nick coach of all time, you're, to, you're gonna be right across the how cool is the that? field from Nick Saban. How cool is that? Like like I mean like that to me like that's that's a challenge. Like you get to see, okay, where you're at, right? right? You get to see where you're at against the best of the best. Like you don't have to wonder. Like you get to see that. And I've never prepared a game to lose. And why would you ever prepare to lose? You know, it's like these games are not like all right. We know what this is. Let's go in. And no, that's not the mindset. And and I think your players emulate mm -hmm. that right yeah. you know and yeah. i think whenever you're you know stressed with a daunting task you know i think that's when i think at first our human nature says oh that's going to be tough but what i think happens over the course of time once we really take a deep breath and settle in we start to realize that hey this can be done mm -hmm. and hey i'm gonna grow from this and we're gonna rise to the level of our competition right and we're gonna get better and yeah. all, like regardless of who, who wins that game us or them or whatever like we're gonna be better from that right from that game because we're gonna play an elite level team you know and we're gonna play an elite level coach and we're gonna what an awesome opportunity man for our players what an awesome opportunity for our coaches and for our university to get to go do that mm -hmm. i mean you should you know if you're doing anything you should want to be the best at what you do you should want to compete against the best and again it goes back to the chase yeah process over result mm -hmm. you know if we go into that game and we win great let's go yeah which we're going to prepare to win that game like right. we're, we like we are not going to walk around this this stadium that week and say oh all right here we go that, that ain't happening right like we're going to prepare to win but like in an event that we don't win you know it's not always about the end result. And that's something that's really hard because especially in a profession that I'm in where you're defined by your win-loss record. Right. You know, we're not defined by our win-loss record ultimately. We're not. Right. It's about what did I learn from my win-loss record from that game. It's it's just about every single week, year. Game. Like I'm, you mentioned earlier, I'm 32 years old. Yeah. By the time I'm 50, by the time I'm 45, I need to be able to look back at my time here at Austin P and say, what did I learn from that head coaching experience? Whether it goes really good or it goes really bad. You know, I'm going to learn how to be better and develop. I'm still fine. That's the thing that I love just about life in general. It's just the ever, it's almost an obsession in a sense of like the ever just quest of knowledge and wisdom and learning yourself, finding yourself, finding what fits mm -hmm. you, right? And that's playing the university of alabama is all part of that yeah right yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna be talking about that five years later man when we when we played alabama nick saban he had my tail in that third down call he knew i was calling that before i even thought about it you know i gotta be more deceptive with xyz right right, right. and we're gonna learn how to handle those things it's gonna be an awesome experience but like fit you know failure in life whether it's a loss or whether it's a um you know an injury or anything man failure is growth man adversity is growth i mean these things make you and stretch you to become better and that ultimately leads to success in the long run do you approach a game like that like because when i go into a race I will have an A, B, and C goal, and yeah. then if I if if the C goal's looking like it's over with, the D goal's just finish the dang thing, yeah, and not do anything fatal. Sure. Do, do you do you approach a game that way, like saying like the A goal is 
yep. to to go down there and beat Alabama. The sure. B goal is this, and the C goal is that. Yeah, and and I, it, that is very very similar uh, to to the way I think of things in terms of that. Because like, and, and it's it, there's a hard headedness in me, and I think in a lot and mm-hmm. a lot of people where it's like, okay, when we either won or we lost, there are no moral victories, you know, stuff like that. I you know like. To an extent, I you know I agree with that. But mm-hmm. if we're if we're being real, and when you finally get past and you get past you know if you suffer a loss, you finally get past the pride and the ego, and you say, all right, let me really assess this thing for what it was. Yeah, there's always goals that are achieved, and there's always something you learn. Like right. like that's the reality of it. Like we could be hard headed in the old kind of mindset of win or nothing else matters or win and no, don't get me wrong you either won or you lost right but you grew in some way whether you won or you lost mm-hmm. and i think it goes a two-way street i've been a part of teams where we win and we win a lot we're having a lot of success but we are ignoring the issues that we have off the field or we ignore the issues that okay that one play that actually thank goodness it went our way could have went the other team's <laughs> right. way and then and then you're at the, you're at the mercy of a bounce a lot of times ain't no doubt brother 100 <laughs> percent. and then all of a sudden that bounce doesn't go your way mm-hmm. because we've been omitting this detail because we've been winning so let's not address it mm-hmm. that's a problem you know losing if all we do is focus on we've lost we're terrible nothing's good Instead of focusing on, okay, what can we learn from this and take that we are doing good? Well, you know what? We are really good on third down. We are really good at running the football. We are really good at stopping the run. Okay, let's find a way to utilize those things more. How do we let that play into our advantage so that we can flip the script and win? So I just think ultimately, um, yes, there are multiple goals within a game. Obviously, the number one goal is always to win. Right. I mean, winning is fun and winning is what we got in this thing to do. We want to win championships. We expect to win them. We expect to win games. And and I think you, when you do things the right way and you trust the chase, you trust the process, I think that those things happen. When we all want it now, we, we want a life of instant gratification, right? Yeah. When, I don't know. But it's coming. If you stay faithful to the details and you do that, and that it kind of parlays into our team verse this year is second corinthians 5 7 you know we walk by faith not by sight and that's like so prevalent for our players right now so prevalent for i think society in general Mm because it's like hey i want to jump into this career field this and i want to see the results in the money now right you know when that's not that something special is built over time Nothing special is instant. If it's instant, you better you better check the fine print. You better look at the, that tag and say, okay, what's the catch here? Right. Because there's a catch. You know, nothing great has ever been achieved than just a snap of your fingers. Like, it takes time. It takes building. It takes stacking those habits. It takes mm-hmm. building something over time for it to be special. And then when, when it happens, you're going to be so much more grateful for that process. And so I think all of that encompasses not just focusing on, hey, the only goal here is to win. What did we learn from the win? What did we learn from the loss? And then and then we go from there. So yes, to answer your question, there's multi levels to um, success and goals. Even like when you fail, let's say you you don't finish a race. Sure. Looking at well, what did I do well? What needs to be addressed? What needs to be fixed? Yeah. Approaching it that way. Yeah, at a hundred percent. That's that's what. And and I think that's where we go back to the intrinsic motivation piece is mm. if you're intrinsically motivated you're really going to take a deep dive and to figure out where you went wrong, why this didn't work. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like I told you, like, I, like my, like my job I know is, is the, the, in for me personally, 
there's a lot more to my job than just wins and losses. It's about relationships yeah. with my players impacting lives. That's not something I'm just saying. That's something like I believe in. Right. Like whether we win another game here or not, whatever. But like let's let's just say that you know I don't win enough games here. Doesn't work out. I get fired. Right. Well, right. you know what I'm gonna do? You know the whole world's gonna man. He sucks. He should never be a head coach again. Blah blah blah. Whatever. I'm gonna self assess. I'm gonna look at everything that went wrong, and then I'm gonna make corrections because I'm gonna get another head coach's job. And then I'm going to go win at that next head coaching job mm-hmm. because of the things that I learned from this one. Like, that's the mindset as opposed to that beaten failure. Okay, you failed. Failure's growth, man. Like, you got to get back up on the horse and keep going and keep learning because obviously, you know, there's more for you to learn if you fail. There's more right. to learn. You know what I mean? And, not, and I think there's still more for you to learn if you have success. But I think when you fail, that's the best. I mean, everybody, I mean, and, and I love these stories. I mean, you look at Jeff Bezos, you look at Elon Musk, you look at Michael Jordan, you look at so many prevalent successful people. What you just said a minute ago hits home. We all see their success. We all see the the, the the amazing right. things they've done. Right. We don't know that they have failed businesses. We don't know that their bank account was probably at zero at some point. We didn't know Michael Jordan got kicked off the team. You know, like didn't make his JV basketball team. Like, you know, every every major success has once been a failure. Right. You never see guys like in Jim Walmsley. He doesn't mean anything to you, but he's a big big in the ultra world. You never hear about his bad run. And everybody has those bad runs. Everyone has those workouts. You're like, okay, right. I'm going to go out today. I'm going to do 20 miles, and I'm going to do this and this and this yeah. and this, this. And you get out there, and, and five miles in, you're like, this is awful. I can't. It, my body's just saying no. No, no It was doubt. a horrible run. You felt horrible the entire time. Sure. It was a mess. Sure. Nobody ever sees that. No. But that... Those are the things that define you and, and, and almost it. can create mental toughness if, if you can over overcome that. Totally agree. And and it's e- and all these things we're talking about too, for the people listening and stuff, it's easier said than done. And that's why I think mm. it's so important, man, that that intrinsic motivation is there. And you also have a support system too, because like, you know, you're going to question yourself. You're going to you're going you're going to wonder, man. Like you know, when I was 26, I became a head coach, man. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know. I still I still I'm still learning. I'm yeah. 32. Like I don't got it all figured out. Like that's not that's not reality. Right, you know? right. Like I have the way I believe, and I have our processes, and I have a system we that I believe in. But there's things that I'm learning. Like I mean, I I, I took time. I spent time with the L.A. Rams and the Arizona Cardinals this off season to learn how to do a couple of things that I thought I was weak at last year for our program to do better, right? That's what it's about. Like, so if I'm a runner, okay, and I'm struggling, I need to go look at, okay, someone who's successful because they've been through what you've been through and and they've been through the struggle. Like you just Mm -hmm. gave it a great example of what did they do? How did they learn from their mistakes and how did they apply it? You know, that's that's where the growth comes in. And and and, and that preparation leads you to get ready for the next season, in my case, or the next race mm-hmm. in your case, right? And that's what this thing's about, is all about growth and learning. But I think that our society in a lot of ways, especially with social media, it's like, okay, this guy should be fired. Okay, this guy's done. He's terrible. We put a blanket statement on it when it's like, dude, dude, like well, we've lost Come empathy. On. We've lost empathy. That's well, empathy's not cool. Empathy's not cool. No, you're and it should be. Right. It should be cool. Because the reality is half the things that are said on social media, you would never say to that person's face. Ever. You know, like let's say you're grocery shopping 
you're hanging out the Publix. Yeah. You know, you got your <laughs> wife with you, your little yep. kid. Yep. You have a you get you get slaughtered by a, the team or the game doesn't go your way. Sure. No one's gonna come up to you in Publix and say, Not one. Guess what? You suck. You Not should one. never be No, they're just gonna walk right by. Not one. And 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 that kind of and I'm, when you first asked that question about dealing with social media, that's one portion I forgot to admit. It's like if they're not involved with our program, yeah. Or they're not like a major donor to this program. Somebody who has a vested, you know, is right next to us in it with us. Like, who cares? Right. Who, who cares what they say? Like, who who cares? Like, for for you know anything? Like, you know, why would you care about anybody's opinion that isn't around you in the daily grind with you? You know what I mean? Right. I, and I've invited. I've had you know some you know you know some guys be critical. You know whatever, and I'll, I'll invite them to practice. Go come to practice. Watch. Come, yeah. come, but if you're not willing to come be around yeah. me, you come be around me or to be around these kids every day, then like, why does your opinion matter? You know right. what I mean? Like, you know, you don't have, you don't have a, a leg to stand on. And so I think that like also monitoring whose voice you're listening to, right? Yeah. It's different when my wife says, Hey, look, you need to caution this behavior. That's different. Like then someone, I don't know, that's totally outside of right. my program stuff saying, right. Hey, you, are you, you suck at this or blah, blah, blah. Who, who, whose opinion like you you know you're just throwing stuff out there man we all we can all be critics now and you're spot on like that's what people hide behind a keyboard and they type stuff up like why am I gonna worry about what, what they say so you have to also listen to the right people and ignore the people that finding those right people find yeah, the right important. people um, okay so on this podcast and you've never listened to an episode that's fine um, years ago yeah, we started well now. we started a running joke Trying to think of because because like craft beer is is really big in the trail and ultra running world. Everyone's right. got like oh I got an IPA, I love an IPA. <laughs> and so I made a joke a couple times like because my mother in law came to visit us and she brought a, a drink called White Claw, which is this hard seltzer. <laughs> oh yeah. And my mother in law is is the exact opposite of of a trail and ultra runner. I mean, she is a you know seventy year old woman, you know Midwest. I love it. Hard working, and so she just loves a good White Claw. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the script here, and I'm yeah. gonna try and make White Claw sound cool. And so we created this thing called the White Claw Mile. Ah. Where okay. have you ever heard of a beer mile? I've not. No, I haven't. <laughs> I've not. <laughs> so, so so a beer mile is. You know the the gun goes off, so there's a track right behind us. Yes. So you'd get the starting line. Yep. You'd, the gun would go off. You'd crack a beer and chug a beer. Then you'd run a quarter mile. Oh my God. You crack another beer, run another quarter mile, crack another beer, run another quarter mile, crack another beer. You drink, and drink, finish that drink, mile. Drinking the whole beer. You have to drink before you can go. The whole the whole the whole can, beer. The whole and you have to hold it over your head when it's done to make, to prove that you've drank the whole beer. Why would anybody do this? I don't know. The fastest I've been able to do it is nine minutes and, and 15 seconds. Now, you did that nine minutes? Yeah. And so I would have thrown up after the first quote. That's if you awful. throw up, if you throw up, you get a penalty lamp. Oh my gosh. So you got to run I'm another out. lamp. Yeah. Dude, I'm out. So, so we did, we decided to do the white claw mile. The white claw mile is even worse. Um, oh. I say all that because we have white claws behind us in a cooler. We're in a luxury box. <laughs> do you want to crack one open and enjoy? Uh, yeah, we, we, hey, we, we may crack one open, but uh, I don't, we're not doing the white claw challenge. No, no, we're not okay. doing the white claw I thought I want to give you an insight here that we're in a luxury box yeah. in the stadium doing this interview, and yeah. I just saw that how appropriate there are. No doubt, there are white claws there's, there. There's four of them right there. Do you want to? Do you want to grab two? I mean, yeah. We can finish this out. Well, why not, man? Let's see. Come let's on. do it. I all mean, right. I mean, the viewers appreciate this, won't they? I, th- I think so. I mean, this is all audio, but I'm sure they'll. Now, now we have strawberry and blackberry. What are we doing? Um, there's pineapple. pineapple. I think it's pineapple. Are you a pineapple too. fan? I, I'll take whatever you don't want. So you just grab whatever. All right. 
All right. Ooh, go, pineapple. Yeah, I'm going pineapple. All right, here we go. Ready? Yeah, man, this is Let's great. Let's crack man. this open Let's here. Have it. you ever had one of these before? I've had one. When did, had you, one. When, when did a manly football coach <sighs> have a white claw? I got a story for it. All right. All right, go. here we go. Bottoms up. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Not bad, but if, if, if I had to run um, the white claw mile, I'm not, make, <laughs> not making it. <laughs> It was, we were actually in, this is funny, you'll like this, we were actually in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. my wife and I, which by the way, this is in 2020. Okay. Yep, right before COVID started. All right, so we're out there and um, no, I tell you, yeah, no, it was, uh, no, it was 20, it was 2019, I apologize, right. 2019, all right, so I'm out there and uh, first night, we go out, you know, to the casinos, things like that, great, you know, yeah, I'm just, doing the math just, real never, quick. Yeah, it was. Is like, Luca the byproduct of a well, White Claw weekend? Well, here we go. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm getting to that. So, no, he's not the byproduct of it, but this is where we found out. So, we go out that night. We, we, I remember distinctly went to dinner, and, and I, I had never tried a White Claw, and they were like becoming popular. And I said, you know what, give me a White Claw, you know? So, yeah, yeah. it's the first time I tried it. But then that night, we found out that she was pregnant with, uh, with Little Man. So, oh, wow. That? So, there's some. Uh, there's some history behind the old white claw there. It's got to be cool with being a head coach of a football team. You got what seventy five oh, players? College, yeah, college kids under your 110. 100, 110. You're responsible. Yes. For a hundred and ten yep. college students. Oh yeah. Yep. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you want to do that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Impact lives, brother. Impact lives. No, but it's, it's true know. you yeah, do because crazy. seriously. Because especially a lot of people that uh, players that come from the inner city may not have that like you did. You didn't have a father figure growing up. Yeah, correct. Do you is it cool? I mean, is that part of the gig like you get to be a strong male influence for Absolutely. for a hundred oh, young people absolutely no that's the that's the whole deal with it to me is like that, that that's what you do it for in in my opinion like yeah. i mean the x's and o's are great i could talk yeah. all all day but that's that's why you do it you yeah. know so that those guys man they shoot you that long text so they call you 10 years later five years later a year later yeah and they're like hey man like just thanks for everything coach like like that's and you see them walk across the stage with a degree you, you you soon forget about all the wins and losses and like don't get me wrong like 20 years from now they're going to talk about you know wins and losses stuff like that but do you know what they're going to talk about more is they're going to talk about they're going to talk about their experience here and their experience with their coaches and their and their and their and their teammates and that ultimately is is this life is all about relationships yeah and that's what this that's what we got in this thing for is relationships yeah. and and when you do things the right way and you build great relationships and you adhere to the chase daily like, then you're going to win um but yes no that is a huge part of it now you can't manage uh, that amount of people without a great staff. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have. I have, I have. I'm blessed to have great position coaches, great people, um, in this building. So from yeah. a support staff standpoint, position standpoint, so they they help me tremendously and do a great job as well. Because you're, we're getting back into football, folks. So the running part portion <laughs> may be over. If it, I'm just saying, does your wife? Because I I see you guys out and about, and I see you, you know, with your players, and and how the how the players seem so comfortable with your own child. Yeah, like it's almost like they they interact with your two year old, like like that like he's a little brother. It's awesome. It's yeah. It's, your wife has a job in this too, doesn't oh she? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I always say this all the time. There's a special place in heaven for coaches' wives, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, unbelievable amount of hours that we work, and so they're they're at home all the time with you know with with, with the kids, and I just think that uh, that is so impactful for her to 
bring my son to practice you right. know like and to have those ideas like hey I'm gonna bring him to practice today and stuff and it's, and it's so special like man it's it's because I, I wish I'd have grown up in that environment you know like yeah. around a field house and stuff and, yeah and uh to see our players like you know that event we were at the other day called ghost fest we uh um where he lost his balloon uh before before that though man like he you know my wife be in a conversation you know i'd be in a conversation and luca's you know you know walking away 50 yards away from us and like our, our one of our linebackers sprints over there and just to be around him like our, one of our quarterbacks you know who's got a hurt knee at the, right now he runs over there to, yeah. to to be next to him because that, that's the family environment i wanted to grow up in and, yeah. and it's so it's it's so special and I think it's important like to have that environment within your facility within your program you know like our coaches we allow them to bring their families up here too mm-hmm. you know whenever they want like if if you know any coach wants to bring their family up to have lunch you know why not I mean we we work too hard not to keep our families as involved as we can and ultimately you know we are yeah we're responsible for our jobs up here but we're also responsible to be you know fathers and husbands too and, mm-hmm. and I think that's a that's a big responsibility because I I take a lot of pride in Luke because I didn't really have that like I said, father figure growing up. Yeah. Um, and, and now I get to be that for him, you know? Yeah. So I, I want him to be around, you know, me more, whether it's at a recruiting event or it's at ghost fest, like we were at, or if it's at practice and it's, it's so cool to see him interact with the players and our players treat him just like you said, like a little brother. Yeah. And, and I think it's so cool that he gets to be around that every day. And not many kids no. grew up around a stadium and training facilities no. and a hundred muscly <laughs> You know, big brothers. <laughs> Ain't no doubt. You know? Ain't no doubt. Ain't no doubt. Yeah, that is it's, it's really, really cool. cool. That really is special. that is awesome. It is special to see. It is. Um, what are some of the things that you've learned through coaching, through the people that uh, you've encountered, those coaches along the way, that make you what I would define a good man? How would you define a good man? And how do you try to instill that yeah. in, in young people now, nowadays? I kind of narrowed it down to our core values, which are – essentially my personal core values mm-hmm. um, is the core values of scotty walden the core values of scotty walden sure and and, and and it's also our program core values we we call it code red but uh you know that's you know commitment relentlessness mm-hmm. unselfishness toughness and integrity and so you know just being committed to where you're at being where your feet are at and being ultimately committed to um whatever cause you're a part of whatever work you're a part of and and i think that commitment level is something that gets lost today it's always searching for the next biggest thing and Mm -hmm. something i always have to talk to our coaches about and stuff is like if you do a great job you're gonna get hired by a great place i mean you know you do a good job you're gonna get hired by a great place you know you you shouldn't have to sit on the computer all day and apply for jobs and do this stuff i mean all you got to do is is do a fantastic job in the right connection well that when i made my jump from division three to fbs football it's because of one connection it, it wasn't because i was you know emailing fifty thousand people whatever i was literally you know I, I was i impressed one guy and that one guy helped me get get a big time job and so but the bottom line is number one commitment number two relentlessness you you, you can never give up you got to persevere you got to be tough mm-hmm. and you got to have the mindset kind of like we we're talking about like when when you fail yeah you got to get back up yeah that, that's life and that's that's the thing that again i love about sports i love about football is we're teaching life to these guys through the game and so you know when when things don't go your way you know how you respond to it is going to be um a huge determining factor in in your success or, yeah. your, or 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 your failure yeah and uh you have to be relentless you have to relentlessly pursue 
the chase every single day and you're going to get knocked down in life you're going to get a um you know you're, you're, you're going to have a tough time at a job you're going to have a, something tough in your relationship you have to relentlessly pursue you know what god's called you to do and the passion you have in, in order to succeed and then number three unselfishness i just think that it's a it's a we not me mindset man if it's all about you and it's all about my personal gain it's all about making this move or this amount of money this that the other then i think that's where you're um you, you get crossways, yeah. you know, and then you start seeing things blurry and it's all for your selfish gain. Eventually that is going to catch you. Yeah. You know, the one thing, again, just looking at things in life and things that are successful are things that are done from the heart and genuine, not for material circumstances, yeah. you know, and then toughness, you know, you have to be a mentally and physically tough person. I think to succeed in life and in sports, of course, we're talking about running. Like I think the mental you know, I had a great coach tell me this, and I think it applies to, to running as much as it does as football. You know, the mental is to the physical is three is the one. I right. Mean, it is that critical. What you feed that brain between your ears, mm -hmm. so much more important than, um, the, 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 than than the physical aspect of it. Um, and so, you know, we're not just talking about when we say toughness, physical. We're talking about mental and that mental approach. I mean, you got to be a tough person in life to be able to take the pits, take the punches and better get back up and continue swinging and continue working. And then last is integrity. And I think, um, you know, all a man has is his word, you know, sometimes, right. you know, just be who you are and be genuine and, and just, and, and always tell the truth and, and, and be honest. Coach, this has been a hell of a chat. There's been a hell of a chat. It's been awesome. Here's, here's my, my bet for you. Here's my goal. Okay. All right. We're going to wrap it up with this because I know you've got things to do. you sure. got 100 college kids you got to keep from getting in trouble and you got to, you know, <laughs> go be a dad and, and go be a husband. Sure. Alabama, you go into Alabama. Yep. You win. Yep. If you win. Yep. When you win. That's right. We're, you and I yep. are doing a beer mile. You got it. On on the track there. Done deal. Shake it okay, on Okay, it's right happening now. right there. It's happening yeah, right there. Done deal. Yeah, it's going to happen. So happening. just get it in. Beer or White Claw? <sighs> White Claw one's worse. It's worse. Well, yeah, because the beer one, the beer one, it doesn't really come into much moving around until like the third beer. Okay. And then you got to kind of work on, but that by the, the first White Claw, there's so much so much like we'll go we'll, air in there we'll, we'll go we'll, we'll we'll we won't white claw then we'll do a, we'll do a beer mile we'll do a we'll do a uh, clarksville beer mile so we'll have to go get some stuff from maybe one of the breweries in town so that's happening folks that's going down when austin p going down when, and this will be one of those things that's if right. this happens because right. if you remember how many years ago was it where appalachian state beat michigan no doubt and that was all anybody talked about no doubt I've um, heard of. so but here's the thing when that happens yeah. if austin p state university goes into alabama and beats alabama yeah you are not going to be a head coach around here much longer because your phone's be bringing off the hook <laughs> so we'll have to do it at some point okay and we will do it my all friend right. we will I'm do really it excited. we'll get it done scotty yeah. walden thanks for your time man. no thank you for having me on it was a pleasure all right, there you go. Scotty Walden, head coach of the Austin P State University Governor's football team. Um, when that does happen, and if that does happen, if the Govs take down Alabama, uh, at they'll be playing in Alabama, we will be doing that beer mile. It's it's happening. We're going to hold Scotty to that. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Adventure Jogger. You can go to theadventurejogger.com. There's gear. There's back episodes and more. We're back next week with a new episode. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll
We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Yeah.